Well, good morning, church family, and welcome to the first ever exclusively online gathering of the Clear Creek Church of Christ. I'm Joshua Diggs. I'm one of the ministers here. And wherever you're gathering from, whether it's in your home or perhaps in your small group or at a neighbor's house or on your phone or or wherever you may be, I just want you to know how pleased I am and what a gift it is to know that although separated by physical distance, we are united by a common love and a common connection to Jesus Christ. And he is with us this morning, wherever you are. Well, as we've already said, this has been an unprecedented and crazy time in America. And we are in the process now of considering what to do and how the future looks as a group of people. And so today I want to preach to you on a message entitled, Together in This. Together in This. I was talking to David Gray yesterday, and he was giving a story of just how the world seems to have turned upside down, and people have lost their love in minds. He was at the grocery store late Wednesday night, getting a few things, and he said there were a number of folks at the grocery. Perhaps you were there. But he saw one gentleman with not one, but two baskets uh, full of groceries. Now, one, he tells me, was full of groceries piled a couple feet above the rim of the grocery cart. And the other one? Full of toilet paper. So yes, if you are low today, you may think, Mr. I can't spare a square from the grocery store. What was funny, though, is as David was talking to the gentleman and the guy was going, this is the end of the world, the supply chain's going to dry up, we're all going to die. I mean, he about put gasoline on his own head and lit it. The guy's talking to David and <laughs> David decides to have a little fun. And after the guy finishes talking about how this is the end of the world, David says, wow, yeah, yeah. Well, you got the food, but uh, what happens when the power goes out? And the man goes, oh, you're right. I got to go buy a generator. So here's the deal. Is, are we in the middle of a difficult, different, unprecedented time? Absolutely. Absolutely. But this is not the end of the world. And for Christ followers, we believe that the best days are always ahead. In fact, the worst thing, church, is never the last thing because what Jesus did on the cross, rising from the dead, promising to then take us home with him one day, means that no matter what we face here, we always have the assurance of a home with him. So I want us to look together this morning at a passage of Scripture that I have found to be very encouraging, not only in the weeks behind us, but in years past. And I pray will be one that blesses you in the weeks to come as well. It's from the verse 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Now, if you're with a group of people or even if you're by yourself, I'm going to ask you to say this verse out loud because often we must say with our mouths what we wish our hearts to believe. And saying it often reinforces what we believe. So, I'd encourage you to join me in reading this out loud. Are you ready? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Did you notice that? The first part is what God has not given to you. Now, every good gift you have comes from God, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but notice he begins by saying, God has not given you a spirit of fear. This means that whatever you're afraid of did not come from God. He is not the one 
who is causing you to be afraid. Now listen, fear is common to human nature, but it is not a gift from God. This is what James chapter 1 verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Did you notice that? Every gift you have that is good. Here's a way to think of it. If it is good, it's from God. If it's not good, then he's not the one who saddled you with it. Now, let me be very clear here. I'm not suggesting where the coronavirus came from or how it happened or any of those details. What I am saying, though, the fear that you may be feeling, that is not what God wants for you. In fact, do you know the most common command in all of the Bible? It is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. That one command is repeated 365 times in the Bible. In other words, there is a do not fear, do not be afraid, do not be anxious passage. One for every day of the year, meaning for today, God would say to you, do not be afraid, child. You may not know the future. You may not know the details, but he does. We may not know what the future holds, but as the old saying goes, we know who holds the future. Now, if God does not give us fear, and yet fear seems to be the predominant feeling so many of us have right now, then where does that fear come from? I want to show you the three places where your fear that you're experiencing today is coming from. The first one is it comes from the unknown. It comes from the unknown. People are afraid of what they do not understand and what they cannot control. You will be more afraid when you feel completely out of control, when you don't know what's happening, when, when we're given mixed messages from the media. That's where fear often comes from. But here's what you need to remember. God knows what's going on even when we don't. And if you know the one who knows all and is in control of all, then that helps. But the first place is the unknown. The second place where fear comes from is from other people. Now listen, there are some people who because of their fear, they just kind of, well, they just sort of vomit up fear on everyone else, don't they? Sort of a graphic picture, but they just sort of share it with everyone. Like a little fear for you, a little fear for you, a little fear for you. Listen, sometimes the fear we feel comes from other people and their concern. It also comes from people who use crises to their advantage and not yours. So for instance, you're going to read news reports that say it's this person's fault or that person's fault. People who blame are often casting fear. Listen, blame does no good. Blame focuses on what has happened, not on what we will do or what will happen. But often people do use it for that. If you find someone who is trying to price gouge, that is someone who's trying to create fear. I saw on the news not too long ago that a bottle of Purell hand sanitizer is going for over $200 on the internet. That's someone who is perpetuating fear. So fear comes from the unknown, comes from others. And number three, though, fear comes from the devil. Now, church, you need to understand, we believe that there is such a thing as the devil, an angel who rebelled against God, who was kicked out of heaven. And consequently, he's ticked off at God, but he can't do anything against God. All he can do is hurt what God loves, you and me and his creation. And so the devil often will use moments like these to, to whisper in our ears things like, this is the end. Grab more Purell and toilet paper. Run away. Fear does not come from your heavenly Father. Paul says, 
God does not give us a spirit of fear. But notice what he says next. But God gives us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want to walk through those three things because this is what your God has given to you today. If you are in Christ, you can reject fear and accept the gifts of power, love, and a sound mind. First, let's look at power. God has given you, my friends, the gift of his power. That word power comes from the Greek word dunamis. Sounds a whole lot like an English word we use, dynamite. In fact, they're very similar because the power of God has the ability to blow up, to get rid of, to clear the path of anything in the way of his children and his purposes in the world. God has given you supernatural power to deal with what you're going through. And you say, well, what kind of power? Here's the reality. God has given each of us far more power than most of us ever accept. He gives you power in three areas. He gives you power over your thought life. Did you know that? God gives you power over what you think about. This is why in the Bible it says in 1 Corinthians 10, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, we control our thoughts. We don't let our thoughts control us. I love what the great reformer Martin Luther said. He said, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest on your head. You may not be able to keep the fearful thoughts from bouncing off you periodically, but you have power over keeping them seated in your mind. God gives you this power. He gives you power over your thoughts. He gives you power over your actions. Follow what the CDC says to do. Wash your hands. By the way, I watched a great video the other day of the proper way to wash your hands. Did you know most of us wash our hands the wrong way? Or, like a friend of mine who posted online, as he watched a train of guys leaving the public bathroom without washing their hands. That's definitely not the wise thing to do. The right way to wash your hands, clean the fingertips. The tops of your hands, less likely to be put in your mouth, thus causing and sharing germs. But you have power over your thoughts, over your actions, with your hygiene. If you're feeling bad, stay home. You don't need to go out. You don't get a badge for roughing it and giving someone else your cold or something worse. You have power over your actions. And then number three, you have have power over your words. How many of us know the power that our words have? I think about so many people today who are fine from the coronavirus, but they are dealing with a disease caused from the words of someone else years earlier. Some of you know the pain of a wayward word, but you also know the power of a well-spoken, well-timed, intentional word of encouragement from someone else. In fact, this is why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Now listen to me. More people will die spiritually from poisonous words than will ever die from the coronavirus or another illness. He has given you power, church, not fear. So number one, God has given you power. Number two, though, he's also given you the spirit of love. The spirit of love. I love this one. 
That word love comes from the Greek word agape. Everyone, wherever you are, unless you're in a public place, well, no, especially if you're in a public place, just say the word with me, agape. One more time, agape. Isn't this fun? Agape simply is the God love. It is a self-giving, self-sacrificing love. Notice that love is not a feeling primarily. It is primarily an action. This is why our Savior says that the best kind of love, the greatest love, in fact, he'll say no greater love has there ever been than for one person to lay down his or her life for their friends. In other words, God has given you the gift of self-giving, self-sacrificing love for other people. This is why the Bible is full of these one another passages. The Bible is repeatedly saying, love one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, be kind to one another, bear one another's burdens. Listen, one of the best things you can do today, and I'm going to tell you more in a moment, but one of the best things you can do today is find someone, do it over a phone call, a text. If you feel safe, do it for you know, 30 paces. I don't care. But you give them a word of encouragement because God has given to you the power to change lives through your words. So notice, God has given us power and love. By the way, one more thing. It is this kind of love that completely changed the Roman Empire. Almost 2,000 years ago, a terrible plague swept through the city of Rome and began to spread outside of the city. It was so devastating that 5,000 people were dying on average every day. Folks, we ain't seen nothing like that here in the States. 5,000 a day. An estimated 5 million people lost their lives due to this plague over the course of time. And as it got worse and worse, people began to flee the city and leave the sick. Even the doctors fled the city of Rome. And often, family members, if one got sick, the entire family would leave them to suffer their own fate. What's interesting, though, is as the people of Rome fled the city, the Christians moved into the city. And they took care of those who were ailing. And they began to nurse many of them back to death. Now, many of the Christians did lose their lives in that. But you need to understand, they knew who they were and whose they were. And so they were willing to do for others what Christ had done for them. Self-giving love for others. But here's the amazing thing. Many of the people recovered simply because they needed someone who would provide basic care. A drink of water. Some food some blankets when they're cold, the basic things. And as a result of the Christians moving into the city, showing the love of Jesus Christ during the crisis, the church grew from only about 2% of the entire Roman Empire to over 50% of the Roman Empire. This is how Rome was won for Jesus Christ. In fact, it's because of the Christians in that time and in that place that this idea of hospitals began. That was not a state idea. That was a Christian idea. God has given you, church, the spirit of power today in this time. He has given you the spirit of love today in this time. And he has given you, number three, the spirit of a sound mind, of a sound mind. Simply put, that means wisdom, understanding, The ability to know what is wise and to do that which is wise. God has given you the spirit to make good choices. You do not need all of the information 
to do what is wise. You just need some good information to do what is wise. In fact, as Christians, you need to understand that your address, where you're destined, is not where you currently are watching this. Your home address is with God in heaven. And one day, whether you live another 40, 50, 60 years or not, your address is with God. And here's the big question. Wise people ask this question. In light of eternity, of where I'm going to spend forever, what is the best thing to do today? And often, if we're living for eternity, that will change how we live today. This is why James says in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, some of us say, well, how do I know what wisdom is? The great news is you can ask. James 1, 5 says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And so those are the three things that God has promised to give you, church. You do not need to live in fear. In fact, if you are afraid today, you have the power of God in you to say, I reject that and I receive the gift of God's power. I receive the gift of God's love. I receive the gift of God's wisdom. And we then can walk in that. Now, I want to give you some very practical things that are going to be happening over the next few days. Over the next few days, the leadership of this church is going to be working very hard on uh, what to do next. And I want to make three commitments of what the leadership team, your leaders here at Clear Creek, will be doing. And there are three of these. Number one, we commit to pray. We commit to pray for you, the leaders, the elders. Commit to pray for God's wisdom, God's protection, and God's leading. Number two, we commit to plan. Tomorrow, there will be a meeting with the, Na- the, the, the area food bank. Uh, we'll be discussing what does it look like, as Jake already mentioned, to help kids who are out of school because many in our community get their meals from their school. So how can we help? We're going to make some plans. How do we help one another in this body and in our city? We're going to make some plans. That's not only happening tomorrow, but on Tuesday nights, the leadership team will be meeting. And I'm going to ask you, would you commit to pray for the leadership team as we plan and pray and consider what to do to help in this time as God has allowed us? So we're going to pray. We commit to pray, to plan. And number three, we commit to be proactive. We will not simply let time go by and do nothing. We will ask God what he wants us to do. And as he tells us, we will do it. And we'll let you know about it. In fact, I want to ask you to do five things during this time. These are the same five Jake mentioned at the beginning, but let's walk through these because these are so important in the days to come. So in a moment, we're going to leave these five on screen, and I'm going to give you a chance in a moment to take a picture of the screen. Post it on social media. Share it with friends. Do it yourself. But these are the five things. Number one, please update your emergency contact information. Your emergency contact information. There is really important stuff we want to share with you over the next few days and weeks, but we can't do that if you don't let us know how to reach you. There are two ways for you to update your information. Number one is on the church app on Realm. Or you can go to the website on realm.org and there's a sign-in space there. You say, well, I've never signed in before. That's okay. You can call the church tomorrow starting at 9 o'clock in the morning And you ask, 
Help me get a login. I want to be able to give you information. But we simply need your best contact phone number. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your cell. And we need an email address because we're going to be sending out content that you need to have, not for yourself only, but for your friends and neighbors and your small group. Number two, in addition to updating your information, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and sign up for online giving. Listen, it is a privilege to be your minister. And there are so many things that we believe God is wanting to do here and through this church, not simply in this crisis, but in years to come. And our giving is a part of how God is going to position us to serve others, to serve the city, and to serve the world. But we can't do that if we're not gathered regularly and if we're not signed up to give online. It's a very simple process. It is incredibly secure. This is how we give as a family. In fact, you need to know. The week we arrived here, we began giving to this church because this is our church. And so I'm going to ask you to sign up as well. If you're not sure how to do that, best way to go is go to clearcreekcoc.org backslash give. There's information there, a link to take you to the giving portal to be able to log in. You can set up a recurring gift. You can put your information in. It is very simple. But if you have questions, again, you may call us at the church office as well. Number three, let us know if you need help or if you can help. Now, right now, we don't have a list of things for you to do. But if you are available, we'd love to know who we can call on when opportunity is made clear for what we do for this city and for our church. So let us know if you can help or if you need help. Listen, if you need help, we want to help you. We are a family. You will not face this alone. We will walk together. So you let us know if you need help or if you can't help. And number four, we're going to ask you to care for your neighbors and care for one another. Here's what I mean by that. Now, if your neighbors are real skittish and they don't want to see you or whatever else, that's okay. But what I would encourage you to do is take time sometime soon, today or tomorrow, visit your neighbors. Do not go in their house. You can knock on the front door, take 10 paces back if that makes you feel better. But introduce yourself Don't take them food. They probably won't eat it right now. But introduce yourself. Tell them that you want to be a friend and a help. Give them your number and offer to be there if they need it. Some of your neighbors may feel too afraid to leave their homes and they will need someone like you who's willing to pick up groceries or medications or just someone that they know they can call on in an emergency. Some people in our community are really, based on what we know of this illness, Uh, not high risk, but there are some in our community who are extremely high risk, those who are elderly especially, and they are going to need us to be available to help them. So care for your neighbors and care for one another. And let me tell you one of the easiest things you can do today to care for other people. Take your phone. You have a list of contacts. Everyone in your contact list is currently affected by this illness nationally. And you can bring the power of words to bless them, to encourage them, send them a text, send your small group a text. Do not give up meeting in your small group. Do FaceTime, do Skype, do Zoom, text, email. You encourage one another, care for one another, church. This is when the body of Christ is at its best. And number five, just pray. Pray for God's healing. Pray for God's help. Pray for God's peace. Pray for God's people to be like Jesus. You need to know that your God loves you deeply. 
and he is present. I know we're scattered across the city. In fact, one of the phrases we're now hearing a lot is this idea of distancing, that we need to be distant from one another, to be safe, to not get too close and have health issues. Here's the good news. You will never be distant from Jesus. He came for you. 